Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball throughout the course of the season. And we are sitting here on Tuesday, November 7th, with actual games and actual results to react to. It doesn't feel that long ago that UConn beat San Diego State in Houston in the national championship to secure their fifth banner, but the offseason is done. It's funny because throughout the offseason, we've been talking a lot about the transfer portal and all of the big moves that happened uh, in in that aspect. We also spoke about the coaching carousel a lot with so many coaches in new destinations. And that really helps, I think, the offseason go by quickly for us diehard college basketball fans. It gives us the opportunity to still talk about the sport, to still talk about the major storylines that were going on throughout the offseason and that definitely made the offseason go by quicker that was something even as recent as three four five years ago that that just wasn't the case it just felt like the offseason was such a drag it would go by so slow there weren't a ton of things we had the opportunity to talk about but that is no longer the case and I'm just so happy that the season is here and we're going to be able to talk about it on this show with you guys Now, before we start off today's show, I figured I'd give you guys a little bit of a rundown in terms of what exactly we're going to be talking about today. It's funny because a hot topic of conversation throughout this sport last night was, man, it's the opening night of the college basketball season. There should be a lot of buzz. There should be a lot of excitement. We've literally been waiting all offseason to have this sport back, but there isn't really a marquee game that even the casual fans could circle and say, you know what? I'm making sure I'm going to be in front of my TV to watch this game. There wasn't really a game like that. USC, the number 21 ranked team in the country, they were in action against Kansas State. That's a good team uh, that made the Elite Eight last season in uh, Jerome Tank's first uh, go around in Manhattan. So that was a a solid game. And I have some thoughts. I have some takeaways uh, from that one as well. And we'll get into it a little bit later in the show. But man, there just was not that one big marquee game for everyone to watch. And I definitely feel like if we had that, there would be a lot more buzz and a lot more tension around this sport on opening night. Right now, in the time of year we're in, early November, it's one of the best times on the sporting calendar, right? We have uh, the Monday night football game between the Chargers and Jets that was on last night. You know, a lot of people are going to be talking about that. We also have the second reminiscen of the college football playoff rankings that will be going on tonight. You know, a lot of people are going to be talking about that. The NBA and the NHL seasons are in full swing. They've been back uh, in the NHL's case for about a month now and the NBA about two weeks. So those seasons are in full swing. We also had Major League Baseball, the the World Series just ended. Their free agency gets going today. We also had a bunch of new managers moving all around. So, you know, a ton of people were talking about baseball yesterday. However, on the opening night of college basketball, there wasn't a lot of buzz. There wasn't a lot of attention. And I definitely think a lot of that has to be towards the fact that a, it just wasn't even that easy to get, uh, to have the opportunity to watch some of these top teams. And all of these top teams were in action, right? Duke was in action. Kentucky was in action. Purdue, UConn, Tennessee, North Carolina, Arkansas, 
a lot of these top-notch teams were in action. Of course, Michigan State, I buried the lead a little bit there. We'll get into everything that happened with them and James Madison. But I just felt like if we could even go back to the Champions Classic and having that event on to start the season, that definitely would have provided a little bit more buzz, a little bit more attention towards the sport on opening night. And that's definitely a problem that needs to be addressed, especially when it wasn't even that long ago, only a couple of days ago, when we had some of these top name programs going at it in meaningless, meaningless exhibition games between Kansas and Illinois, between Arkansas and Purdue, between Tennessee and Michigan State. And it's a little bit of a bummer as a big fan of the sport to get so excited for those games that don't even count. We have all these takeaways. We're talking about it. And then when the season actually starts, when the game actually matters, there just aren't a ton of games for the casual fan to just sit down and watch. And I think that's a major problem that needs to be addressed. Again, no offense towards USC and Kansas State. I think both those teams are really good. And both of them are going to have the opportunity to make big time runs in the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, you just need a little bit more oomph. You need a little bit more than that to really get the sport buzzing. And I just felt like a lot of casual sport fans might not even realize that college basketball could have started last night. And without further ado, let's start the show in that aspect. What exactly needs to happen in order to improve college basketball's opening night slate? And we had number four Michigan State go down in shocking, shocking fashion to James Madison. That was great. It, it's it was phenomenal to watch. It's very rare that you have a team like Michigan State that enters the season with so much hype, so much expectations uh, in the top five going down like that on opening night. And I have a little bit more advanced numbers in terms of just how crazy to show just how wild it was that Michigan State would go down the way they did on opening night to James Madison. But the point is, I don't think anyone was necessarily going into that game thinking, man. James Madison could pull this upset and this is going to be the big thing we're going to be talking about coming out of the opening night of the season. I'm sure you guys remembered back when Zion Williamson was at Duke, that first game of the season they played against Kentucky in the champions classic. That was must see TV. And on first take the next day, even Stephen A. Smith was talking about, man, how good is this Duke team? Do they even have the chance to go undefeated? Who could possibly beat them? And that gave us the opportunity to watch the biggest names in the sport on the biggest stage go at it. And unfortunately, we don't have that. And we're really, really missing it. It's great to talk about Michigan State going down to James Madison. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. It's great to talk about USC and just how impressive Isaiah Collier uh, looked in his college basketball debut. Boogie Ellis, he's back for another year of school. And I think USC along with the, and those two guards, they're going to be a big problem for the rest of the Pac-12 throughout the season. But there just wasn't really that one game. There wasn't really that main thing for everyone to watch and react to. And I think the coaches, they know who they are, right? You got to give Tom Izzo credit. James Madison, I know that's, that might not be a team that everyone knows a ton about, but that's a really good team that won over 20 games, and they were picked as the preseason favorite in the Sun Belt, but Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke, Arizona, and I give Duke and Arizona credit because those two teams are going to be playing uh, in a big-time non-conference game on Friday, but this is the opening night of college basketball. I want to see the biggest names. I want to see the best teams, the biggest brands going at it, and unfortunately, this sport really lacks that right now. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. This, again, was a very hot talking point coming out of opening night around the sport throughout the last 24 hours. But, you know, watching Oregon, Georgia yesterday afternoon, it was great. It was very exciting to have college basketball back on my television. And I'm really excited to be talking about it with you guys here today on this show. But Oregon, Georgia, that's really the best we could do for the first game of the college basketball season with, you know, 300 people in Las Vegas, an empty gym with no atmosphere at all watching it. Even uh, tonight, Baylor's playing Auburn, and those are two really good teams. I'm very high on Auburn. I think they have the potential to be one of the better teams in the SEC to make the Final Four. Baylor is a top-20 team. They won a national championship not too long ago. I will be locked and dialed in to that game tonight, but they're playing uh, in South Dakota at uh, the Sanford Pentagon. 
which is a great classic venue, but give me an on-campus game. Give the fans of the sport to be uh, something to be excited about. And it's great to have the sport back. It's great to have some of the best teams, the best players, the best coaches back on my television. But man, this sport on opening night is really lacking something to create buzz, to create electricity. And that's something that definitely needs to be improved going forward. A couple people have asked me, like, what do you think they should do in order to improve that opening night product? And the easy answer would be have these big name coaches and these big name teams going at it in just a little bit more of a marquee game. But you know what the coaches are going to say, man, I, I just don't really feel that confident about my team right now. I still need to learn more until we play that big of a game. And again, it's just such a buzzkill because we literally saw it last week. Arkansas, Purdue, Tennessee, Michigan State, Kansas, Illinois, all these teams are playing exhibition games. And it's hard for college basketball to compete with some of those other sports, especially the ones that are going on right now that are in the middle of their season and are and already have a ton of attention. Again, like Monday Night Football between the Jets and the Chargers last night, I'm sure that game did big rating wise. NHL and NBA are back. The college football playoff rankings are dropping tonight. We just need a little bit more oomph. We need a little bit more buzz. We need a little bit more attention on the opening night of the college basketball season. And I hope these coaches do something about it and fix it quick. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So that's what I wanted to hit on to start this show. Why doesn't the opening night of college basketball have more attention, have more buzz, and what exactly could we do to fix it? I would love the idea of a big time event, kind of like a MTE uh, during feast week, when you have three or four teams like Duke, North Carolina, Michigan state, Kansas, all the teams in champions classic. Plus, you know, your Arizona's, your UCLA's, your Indiana's, even your Michigan's just the big brand names going at it and playing each other at least one or two games on opening night to just give the casual college basketball fans, something to really look forward to and build their night around and say, you know what, I'm making it a priority to be in front of my TV to watch these games. But unfortunately, we didn't have that. There were over 120 games last night in this sport. And honestly, there just weren't a ton of marquee games to really get excited about and look forward to. But the beauty of college basketball is there will be times, there will be games where you go into it not really expecting much, and then all of a sudden you see something on your TV that you just did not expect, and we have to talk about it. And that is exactly what we saw last night in East Lansing between Michigan State and James Madison. And I think it's important to describe the context and everything that was going on around Michigan State throughout the offseason going into this 2023-2024 season. Michigan State last year, really I would say the last two years, have been better than most people would expect. If you look at Michigan State the last two years, it hasn't necessarily been your vintage Michigan State Tom Izzo teams, but it's not like they've declined heavily, right? They've made the NCAA tournament each of the last two years. They've actually won at least one NCAA, NCAA tournament game in each of those last two years as well. And they had a lot of that core back from each of the teams the last two years that have made the big dance, a lot of those guys are back going into this season. Michigan State has won 23 and 21 games over the course of each of the last two years. Last year, they pulled a big-time upset in the NCAA tournament over Marquette 
in the round of 32. They were a seven seed. They, Marquette was a two seed. Marquette was really good. They won the Big East regular season conference and tournament title. And Michigan State was able to beat them in the round of 32. And a question I had coming out of that Michigan State game last night was, look, I was really high on the Spartans going into the season, right? Again, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had so much continuity. They returned each of their three guards in the backcourt, that trio of Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, and Jade Nakins. They also brought back some key frontcourt players as well in Mati Sissoko and Malik Hall. And then the one thing about Michigan State that really intrigued me about them going into this season was the freshmen, right? This is going to be Tom Izzo's best freshman class in about four or five years at least since that Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson uh, group that flamed out in the NCAA tournament. Never forget that brutal round of 32 loss to Syracuse where they just could not hit a shot on the zone. But Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr, Jeremy Fears, these guys were really possibly going to elevate the Michigan State uh, team this year. If those freshmen played really well and could reach their full potential, I thought the sky was the limit for this Michigan State team. And for the record, it still could be. It's a tough loss to James Madison, but like I mentioned earlier, James Madison, they're not some scrub team. This is a team that won 22 games last year. They were picked in the preseason as the Sunbelt favorites. So I actually would give Tom Izzo some credit for actually allowing a team like that to come to the gym on opening night and compete. And James Madison, they they even pulled an upset, I believe it was, yeah, two years ago, they beat Virginia during non-conference play. So they have done this before. But how about this for some context? This was Michigan State's first home loss in the month of November since 1986. Before Michigan State last night, the last AP top five team to lose their season opener at home against an unranked opponent was Kentucky against Western Kentucky in 2021. This was also Tom Izzo's first ever loss in the month of November. He was 73-0 and prior to that loss tonight. And Michigan State, they did not play well. They shot one of 20 from three. That's 5%. And from the free throw line, they were not good as well. They shot 23 of 37 from the foul line. That's just over 62%. So it doesn't matter who you're playing, right? In the year 2023, uh, 2024, we're going to be coming up on. In the modern day version of college basketball, if you're shooting that poorly, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're just not going to be able to win that many games. And Tyson Walker played really well for the Spartans last night. He was the one guy that really showed up in a big way for this Michigan State team. Looking at his final numbers, he led the way for Sparty and finished the game with 35 total points. He shot a, a 12 of 26 from the field, 11 of 17 from the free throw line. But man, the fact that he shot 26 times and Malik Hall was the next player with the highest amount of shots with 12, that is an issue that Michigan State needs to address. I don't know how you could be that unbalanced even on the opening night of the season. And that's something that needs to be addressed going forward. Ultimately, am I really, really concerned about Michigan State after this loss? No, I still think they could be a really good team. But the bottom line is right now, they are not a top five team. The question could definitely come up if this team would have lost to Marquette like we expected them to in the round of 32 last year, where would the level of hype and expectations be right now? I think that's a valid question because, again, this Michigan State team was a seven seed last year. They won 21 games, which is good, but it's not your vintage Izzo Michigan State team. And even though I do think Michigan State has the opportunity to eventually at some point this season be one of the better teams in the country, I think some of that is going to have to include the freshmen really breaking out and elevating this team ceiling in a big way. But early on in the season, especially with an old school coach like Tom Izzo, you're not really going to expect that. And aside from Walker, uh, the guards just really didn't come to play last night. A.J. Hogard, he finished with nine points, but 211 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. Hall only had four points. Aiken only had four points. He shot 2 of 10 from the field. So listen to that. Aikens and Hogard, the guys that are supposed to be alongside with Walker in that backcourt, really good to provide this team with some offensive sizzle. Aikens and Hogard combined to shoot 4 of 21 from the field. 
again, in today's version of college basketball, when your players are shooting the ball that badly, you're just not going to win a ton of games. And with Michigan State also, this was a team I was really high on going into the season. I picked them to win the Big Ten over Purdue, which is a little bit of an unpopular opinion. But, uh, and I know Purdue looked really good last night. They really looked like they took a lot of their offseason anger out on poor Samford. I know I know you guys saw the video of the, uh, Zach Eady and the Samford player going up for that jump ball. That was just epic, epic theater. But Purdue took care of their business last night. They were not messing around from the beginning. And I know James Madison is a really good team that's going to be probably right at the top of the Sun Belt by the time we get to the month of March. And we should remember them as a team to watch going forward. But it's a really disappointing effort for Michigan State, considering the amount of hype, the amount of expectations this team had going into the season, including by me. I thought they were, I was actually at their Sweet 16 loss to Kansas State at Madison Square Garden last year. And I came away from that game thinking, man, Michigan State, one bounce here, one bounce there. Maybe they come away with the victory. And I was really excited about the fact that they were bringing just about everyone back. But maybe we overrated this team a little bit going into the season. And we're going to need to see their freshmen really, really make an impact by the time we get to the month of March to really elevate this team's ceiling. And the Big Ten, they had a solid night last night. They went 8-2 and two as a conference. Rutgers was the only other team that lost. Uh, that was a tough one to Princeton, another team that made uh, the Sweet 16 last year. Not a terrible loss. They're obviously a very good school in the Ivy League, but we know what the deal is with the Big Ten, right? This is a conference that has not won a national championship since Michigan State did in the year 2000. And I honestly thought, if you were to ask me, Zach, which Big Ten team going into this season would have the best opportunity to finally break that drought I would have said Michigan State even over Purdue I always have thought for uh, throughout the course of the last few years that Tom Izzo he is just due to get that second ring he is such a great coach and it would just feel wrong to me if he only retired with that one championship ring or you know 20 years ago now but at the same time it is just not a great look at all for Michigan State to lose on opening night at home as a top five team to James Madison. Again, Tyson Walker, he played great, but it was clear by the time we got to the end of regulation and overtime, he was gassed. He even missed a key free throw uh, late in uh, the period to possibly tie or give Michigan State the lead. And they he just needed more help. And the fact that Michigan State shot one of 20 from three, 23 of 37 from the free throw line, that is not good enough. And I've had people ask me also, is this just another year for the Big Ten after this Michigan State loss where they just disappoint in the NCAA tournament? And it's only the first night of the season. I'm not going to go that far. But at the same time, it's just not a good look at all for Michigan State to be doing this as a top five team at home on opening night. And I think the Big Ten, when they get into these non-conference games, I just feel like the style of basketball they play is easier for other teams to take advantage of from other conferences, especially when they're struggling this much on the offensive side of the ball, that bully, not really modern day style of basketball. It just doesn't necessarily translate in wins against other conferences. And that is something that's really been plaguing this league throughout the last couple years when they just haven't won a national championship in over two decades. And that's disappointing for me because I actually thought this season, for the first time in a while, there was a lot more NBA, more athletic, explosive talent in the Big Ten, right? And I thought Michigan State and their freshmen, they were part of that. Indiana, we know how much length and athleticism and potential NBA talent they brought in throughout the offseason. Maryland has a ton of really good freshmen that I think could be playing uh, at the next level down the line. You also have Illinois, we know about. Uh, Shannon and Hawkins I just thought athletically and just there would be a little bit more oomph they would be a little bit more explosiveness in this Big Ten conference and maybe that would be able to translate to wins against other conferences as well but it was just the same old story we saw last night and even though I'm not losing all hope in Michigan State I did pick them to win the Big Ten I did uh, tag them as a potential national championship final four contender in the offseason 
they might be able to get there, but uh, eventually, but right now, I just don't think they're at that spot. And when you look at Michigan state, first of all, I wouldn't love to be a player on that team practicing today, coming off of that loss, you know, Tom Izzo is going to let them have it. And then when you look at the upcoming schedule for Michigan state, one week from tonight, they will take on the number one ranked Duke blue devils in the champions classic. They beat Kentucky in this event last year, but we know that's not going to be an easy game. Michigan state will also host Butler on November 17th. They will also take on Arizona on November 23rd. That's going to be a big time game in uh, Palm desert, California. So that's a neutral site game. So Michigan state, they still have a couple marquee non-conference games to hopefully turn things around and give them some momentum entering Big Ten Conference play. But this is a team I was very high on. Tyson Walker, he lived up to the hype last night, but unfortunately he didn't have enough help. And again, just because we thought going into this opening night of college basketball, there weren't a ton of marquee games, there weren't a ton of things to talk about. And that's true. That's a big problem this sport has to address. Michigan State going down to James Madison gave us the opportunity to talk about a game that I don't think anyone was expecting to talk about going into opening night of college basketball. And that's what makes the, the sport so great sometimes, right? The storylines just tend to write themselves. So despite last night's slate being a little bit underwhelming as a whole, there was one marquee game, if you even want to call it that. I wouldn't even say marquee, but a, a game to watch between two really good teams that have serious aspirations to not only make the NCAA tournament, but to go on a pretty decent run. And that was between number 21 USC and Kansas state in Las Vegas and Kansas state. We can't talk enough about the fact Jerome Tang just did an incredible coaching job last year in his first season in Manhattan. This was a Kansas state team that just had a ton of question marks. They lost just about everyone, including star guard. Who's now on Miami, Nigel pack. They lost everyone from just about from the Bruce Weber era. The one guy, ironically, they kept was Marquise Noel, and he was just a very important part to last year's team that went on that deep NCAA tournament run. But I was very curious how Kansas State was going to do in year number two of the Jerome Tang era. I think he did such a good job last year that, honestly, I even entered this, ex this season with the expectation was, man, as long as he just has a somewhat capable roster, Kansas State is going to be right there. Uh, by the end of things, because Jerome Tang, he's a guy you want to run through a wall for. He's a guy that players want to play for. And even in just one year, he built an incredible, incredible culture in Manhattan. But unfortunately, Kansas State had a couple of injuries, a couple of suspensions right before the start of the season that I thought really cost them last night. The one guy that stands out in particular was Naquan Tomlin, who uh, he transferred over, I believe he was a, a former D2 player, or I'm sorry, a former Juco player that didn't even play high school basketball. And this guy made a big, big impact on last year's Kansas State team. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight, and he was the main top returning player from last year's team. And just a couple days before the start of the season, he was suspended uh, for what Jerome Tang said was a, a bar fight. And he also said that Kansas State was going to be approaching Tomlin's suspension like a season-ending injury. And this was just a massive, massive loss for Kansas State last night. In addition, they also lost Quez Glover, who was a guy they got pretty late uh, in the summer in the recruiting cycle. That's a guy that was really good playing at Samford last year. He started his career at Florida playing for Mike White. And he, we learned recently, is going to be out six to eight weeks with the knee injury. So Kansas state right off the bat didn't have two uh, guys that they expected to be big time, big time contributors for uh, this team, which is just a big, big sting right off the bat. But USC ended up getting the job done. The number 21 team, they beat Kansas state 82 69 in Las Vegas. And a couple of things really stood out from this game for me. We all know going into the season that USC their strength, the one thing they really uh, built this team around was their trio of guards in the backcourt. And that, of course, is Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, and Kobe Johnson. And those three guys combined for 58 of USC's 82 points. And even USC, they didn't even necessarily come into this game at 100% strength as well. They didn't have sophomore Vincent Iwachuku 
if you don't know his story, it's a great one. Uh, he suffered cardiac arrest, not this past summer, but uh, the prior summer. And his basketball future was really in question. And he came back uh, towards the back end of last year, played a small role, but he's a former uh, top recruit that eventually is going to make his name known for this USC team. And uh, I hope to see him back out there on the floor uh, sooner rather than later. He did not play last night due to a back injury. He did warm up with the team. Uh, he was a game time decision, but he'll be back on the floor sooner rather than later. And then, of course, Bronny James, who may, maybe he might have even been the reason why uh, USC was scheduled to play in a standalone spot like this on the opening night of the college uh, basketball season. Uh, he also, you know, suffered cardiac arrest, unfortunately, uh, over this past summer. So that was now the second time the USC program had to deal with. Uh, with something like that and Bronny's okay he hopes to get back on the floor sooner rather than later and we hope to see him but USC and those three guards played a very good game and the one difference and the one thing that really stood out to me in this game uh, besides those three guards was USC just looked like a team that had plenty of continuity that has played with each other before and I think it's also important to note that this is a team that They've just caught some bad breaks, in my opinion, in the NCAA tournament over the course of the last two years. They played against a Miami team that ended up making the Elite Eight, not last year, but two years ago. And that was a very close game down the stretch. There were a couple of calls here and there that really could have gone either way. USC, unfortunately, didn't get them. And Miami ended up beating them in a very close opening round game. And then last year, they were in a 7-10 game against Michigan State, who we just finished talking about. And that's never an ideal draw playing tom Izzo. hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. And his team in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So I think USC has caught some bad breaks over the course of the last two years. But listen to this. I think Andy Enfield deserves some major props considering USC, they've won a combined 95 games in the last four seasons. I'll do some quick math for you guys. That is an average of about a little bit less than 24 wins per season. And you know in the sport of college basketball, especially at the Power 5, Power 6 level, when you're winning that many games consistently, not only is it rare, but it's something that you could really live with, especially for a program like USC, which we know, I don't want to call them a football school, but that's really the school's main priority. And the basketball team is just consistent. It gets the job done. And those three guards are going to be a problem going forward again combining for 58 of the 82 trojan points last night and just for some context on that stat kentucky in the last four years has only won 82 games combined duke has won 97 combined that's only two more than usc so andy enfield he's done a great job with this program with those three guards they're going to have the opportunity to beat everyone and the other thing that really stood out to me is Isaiah Collier really stood out. Sometimes with these top-notch freshmen, you don't really know what exactly their impact is going to be right away. We spoke a little bit about that with Michigan State. I think as the season goes on, their freshmen and the impact they make are only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But in today's era of college basketball where we know you win with age, experience really matters. There's still a ton of guys from the COVID year that uh, you know are in their fifth year, sixth year playing college basketball, it could be hard for a young freshman to come in right away and make a significant impact. Isaiah Collier was a guy that that didn't necessarily qualify for. He finished with 18 points, 
three rebounds, six assists, seven of nine from the field, three of three from the free throw line, one of three from three. And him and Boogie Ellis just did such a good job really controlling the game, which was never really in doubt for the USC Trojans, especially in that second half. USC got up to a 10-point halftime lead. They were able to extend it to 13 in the second half and get the win 82-69. to And especially compared to Kansas State, they, they really looked like a team that, of course, lost Marquise Noel. They lost Keontae Johnson. They didn't have Naquan Tomlin. And they were just playing with a bunch of new players. Arthur Kaluma, the Creighton transfer, was really the main guy that stood out. Uh, and not even, you know, he, 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 I say stood out because he shot the ball 11 times. He, he, he actually had a brutal game. I'm sorry. He went one of 11 from the field, six points, nine rebounds. The nine rebounds are good, but one of 11 from the field. And I was curious to see what exactly Kaluma would look like leaving Creighton. We know that after his freshman year, he had a ton of NBA buzz. And I think maybe that could have gotten to him a little bit. I felt like his decision-making at times last year was just really poor. And I thought initially going into a situation like Kansas State and playing with uh, some more experienced players would have helped him, but that wasn't the case last night. He plays 36 minutes, 1 of 11 from the field. I I said he stood out because he just shot the ball so many times, but it didn't really go in. Tyler Perry, the transfer from North Texas, the reigning Conference USA Player of the Year, he led the way for Kansas State, 22 points, in 35 minutes, but he was pretty inefficient. He shot five of 17 from the field. He got eight of those points from the free throw line. Cam Carter, returning player, I really liked. I thought he made some big shots throughout uh, Kansas State's NCAA tournament run last year. He had 15 points, but he went four of 16 from the field. Listen to this. Kansas State, as a team, shot 22 of 71 from the field. That's 31%, and eight of 33 from three. That's just not going to get the job done. USC, on the other hand, was very efficient. They shot 31 of 60 from the field, just over 50%, 5 of 20 from 3, but also they took advantage of the free throw line, 5 of 19, 79%. And you just got to give credit to Andy Enfield. USC, I think it's underrated, just big picture, how good of a basketball program this is, considering the amount of guys they've sent to the NBA in recent years, right? From Evan Mobley to Kevin Porter to Onyeka Okongwu, all of those guys, Isaiah Mobley, Drew Peterson, he got a couple – or he's in the NBA right now, G League with the Miami Heat. Uh, they have just had a lot of talent in this program over the course of the last half decade, seven years, and Andy Enfield deserves a lot of credit for that. I think the Pac-12 is really wide open. We'll get to Arizona before we close out this show, but Oregon, I was impressed with them yesterday in the first game of this doubleheader against Georgia. They looked really good. I think they have a ton of talent. And I think, I don't want to say it's a prove-it year for Dana Altman, but, you know, Oregon has missed the NCAA tournament in each of the last two years. That They should be better than that, and they have the talent to be better than that. I think they should get back this year. UCLA, they still have a ton of question marks. They looked pretty good last night in their season opener. Their team, though, that lost Jaime Jaquez. They lost Tiger Campbell. They're going to be relying on a lot of new players, despite the fact that Adem Bona, he came back. And he looked really good last night. He had 28-9 and in UCLA's opening night victory over St. Francis, Pennsylvania, which is a great, great sign for Mick Cronin's squad. Arizona, again, we'll get to them before we wrap up the show, but they put up 122 points last night. So I think the Pac-12 is wide open because there aren't a lot of necessarily – there aren't necessarily a lot of teams that stand out that I could say, you know what, I trust these guys to get the job done. But one thing I do trust – about USC is their guards and Boogie Ellis, the Memphis transfer. He is now in his fifth year of college basketball. He's seen it all. He's been around the game for a really long time. Now his third year at USC and he should be the Pac-12 player of the year, if not Collier, right? I mean, both those guys in the backcourt is just a huge, huge advantage. And Kobe Johnson, the younger brother of current NBA player and former Duke Blue Devil, Jalen Johnson, he is a underrated player, a leader for this USC team, a very, good defender and having those three guards at Andy Enfield's disposal is just a very, very dangerous weapon. And when they get a little bit more healthier in the front court with the Wachuku, Joshua Morgan, he's been in the program for a few years now, former Long Beach state uh, transfer. This USC team is good. They have a lot of top-notch talent. And I was impressed with what they did against Kansas state last night. It was an ugly game to watch Kansas state offensively just could not hit a shot. We're, we're, We're just terrible. And USC 
the one thing that really stood out to me, they looked like an experienced team with continuity that has played with each other before. And you couldn't have said the same thing about Kansas State. When you look at the Trojans non-conference schedule upcoming, they'll have some more big tests. They'll take on Seton Hall uh, at an event in Florida, MTE. That will say a lot. And then we actually have a rematch of a big game in the Elite Eight that we uh, saw a few years ago, USC Gonzaga in Las Vegas on December 2nd. That's a Saturday at 10 Eastern. I'm looking forward to that one. That's in Las Vegas at uh, BetMGM Resorts. You will also have USC at Auburn. That will be a return game of a home-and-home we saw last year. So Andy Enfield, he's another one of these guys, kind of like Tom Izzo, that when it comes to non-conference scheduling, he's never afraid, and he'll play anyone. And Kansas State, man, even with uh, everything that's been going on with Tomlin and the injury to Glover, Jerome Tang, I learned throughout last year and throughout the NCAA tournament a season ago, he's one of those guys that it's always very scary to pick against because you almost feel like he's better in that underdog role. And uh, unfortunately, he couldn't come through last night. Kansas State still has a ton to work on. And if Tomlin is out long-term going forward, that's a big problem because defensively, it was evident last night that Kansas State was really missing that guy in the middle to protect the rim. There are a ton of new players on this team. And losing Johnson and Noel, that's bad, but at least you expected it. Losing Tomlin just a week before the season is a brutal, brutal, brutal break. And uh, Kansas State, they will have an MTE in the Bahamas taking on Providence in the opening round of that game. That won't be easy. They'll also have Villanova in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. They'll go to LSU, which is not going to be an easy game. Nebraska, Wichita State. So Jerome Tang, props to him. He scheduled a a pretty loaded non-conference slate as well. And without Naquan Tomlin, it might be really, really tough. But, man, those USC guards, they're really good. They're the real deal. Isaiah Collier, no issues at all uh, with his game and adjusting to uh, high-level college basketball. He fit right in, hit a couple tough, tough shots, which was great to see. And that USC backcourt, watch out. Props to Andy Enfield, one of the most underrated coaches, and his program, one of the most underrated in the country. With college basketball being back last night, you guys know there were just so many games and it's hard for me to talk about all of them. But I do have a couple quick hitters, a couple key notes I wanted to bring up from last night's action that I wanted to mention and just give you guys some quick thoughts on. I mentioned the Big Ten earlier in the show when I was talking about Michigan State and their shocking, shocking loss last night to James Madison as the number four seed, uh, number four team in the country, and how if the Big Ten really wants to break their over two-decade national championship drought now, that just isn't a great look for one of their top teams, the team that I picked to win the league entering the season that I thought was a legit Final Four and national championship contender to lose at home like that on opening night. It's just not a great look, despite the fact that James Madison, give them their credit, they are the team to beat in the Sun Belt right now. I mentioned that just wasn't a good look for the Big Ten and how in games against non-conference opponents, that bruisey, tough nose, ugly, rock fight style of basketball, it just doesn't get the job done. And I felt like going into the season in the Big Ten, I had some hope that, man, this league is better than it has been in years past. The top seven, I think, of this league is really good. And there's some young talent in the league, like the freshmen at Michigan State, that could elevate some of these teams' ceilings. And unfortunately, we didn't see that last night from the Spartans. But there was one other Big Ten team I wanted to talk about that looked really good last night. And that was Wisconsin, who usually is the prototype of that ugly, muck-it-up Big Ten style of basketball. But somehow, some way, the Wisconsin Badgers Not only did they beat Arkansas State last night, but they put up 105 points. Chucky Hepburn, one of the better, more experienced guards in the Big Ten, he led the way for the Badgers, scoring 20 points. You also had Max Klesmit uh, score 14. A.J. Storr, the St. John's transfer, a guy I'm really, really high on entering the season. He scored 15 points. You also had uh, Tyler Wall return and play his uh, get get back on the floor for the Wisconsin Badgers. If you follow this Wisconsin team last year, their season really changed, I thought, uh, when he went down with the injury 
and everything just started to fall apart. But he's back, Stephen Crowell. I'm really high on this Wisconsin team, and, and I think they should be really, really good this season. And the fact that they were able to put up 105 points, they shot 39 of 60 from the field. That's 65%. They also went 6 of 12 from 3. That's 50%. Uh, Out-assisted Arkansas State 17 to 7. Out-rebounded them 30 to 26. And this is a Wisconsin team that brings back a lot. That is a key usually like when Wisconsin is good and they're making deep runs in the NCAA tournament, they have experience, they have continuity. So they bring back uh, four just key players from last year's team that played big time minutes. It's also interesting, Connor Asijian, a guy who was very, very good, very productive as a freshman and a guy that I thought could be one of those difference makers for Wisconsin to really expand the ceiling of this team. A very good shooter. He only played five minutes last night. He scored four points. So Wisconsin, if they're playing nine guys and 10 guys in front of him, like they did last night, I think that's a good sign for the team's depth. I know the game kind of got out of hand quickly with how well they were shooting the basketball, but Wisconsin has a lot of key guys that can play big minutes. It looks like. And the fact that they were able to do that, against Arkansas State, that's really impressive. And they will play a huge game on Friday night, hosting the Tennessee Volunteers, who is another team in the SEC that kind of fits that same prototype, a team that usually just likes to muck things up. It's ugly, but Tennessee, their offense looks much improved behind uh, the Northern Colorado transfer, Dalton Connect. They beat Tennessee Tech 80-42 to last night. And uh, anytime Tennessee is putting up 80 points with that defense, that's a really good sign. It was great to see... Zakai Ziegler back on the floor for the first time uh, since suffering that brutal torn ACL last year. He played 12 minutes. Santiago Vescovi, he is back in the lineup after missing some time uh, over the course of the last few weeks with the personal uh, family issue. He only scored two points. Tennessee was able to get the big victory score, 80 points, with only five combined points from Vescovi and Ziegler. I think that's a great sign for this team going forward. So I'm really looking forward to that game Friday night, Tennessee at Wisconsin at the Cole Center. And I think Wisconsin is good. I think they're a legit top 25 team. I know that they missed the NCAA tournament last year. A lot of Badger fans weren't particularly happy with Greg Gard going into the season, but I think he's a really good coach. I think he's consistent, and I think he will give Wisconsin fans something to be excited about. The St. John's transfer, A.J. Store again, he scored 14 points. I think he could be another guy that really makes a difference. One of the teams that lost their bye games other than Michigan state last night, that would be Mike Boynton and the Oklahoma state Cowboys. And I think this is a very complex situation. If you missed it, Oklahoma state, they lost at home to Abilene Christian. That is not a loss you want to take on the first night of the college basketball season at home, especially when you're in a situation like Boynton, where I don't want to say he was on the hot seat entering the season, but he is now in his seventh year as the head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and they have only won one NCAA tournament game. They've only even made the NCAA tournament once, and it's important to note there, there's some context that needs that needs to be added here, right? The 2020 season was the COVID year. The NCAA tournament got canceled, and Oklahoma State was right there. They easily could have made the big dance that year. They were right on the bubble. And then two years ago, they got unrightfully banned from the uh, from the big dance by the NCAA, which is a decision I'll never understand. So that really, really put them in a tough spot. But they were a little bit disappointing last year. I thought they could have gotten to the NCAA tournament. And there's talent on this team, right? Bryce Thompson and John Michael Wright in the backcourt. That's a pretty good experienced duo. Uh, Thompson led the way with 19 last night. Wright only scored two. You're going to need more from him. They have a young player in Keon Williams who played 39 minutes. He had four points, 10 rebounds. Eric Daly, another young player who is the sixth man off the bench that I really like. But in a Big 12 that's so tough, I would like to see Mike Boynton and the Pokes get things turned around. I can't say I'm confident, though, and losing to Abilene Christian at home last night. That is just not an ideal way to start your season. Again, when I don't want to say he was on the hot seat, but the last few years have been a little bit disappointing at Oklahoma State. The Cade Cunningham season was great. I was happy they were able to get into the NCAA tournament and win a game in the big dance, but they uh, had a golden opportunity against an Oregon State team that was a double-digit seed to get to the Sweet 16. Oklahoma State was the number four seed, and they couldn't get the job done. 
and they haven't been back to the NCAA tournament since losing that game at home last night is a tough, tough start. And it's not really going to get any easier, right? They'll have a game against St. Bonaventure, who's one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10 at the Barclays Center in mid-November. They'll also uh, host Creighton in the Big East Big 12 Challenge. That should be a pretty hyped-up crowd for that one in Stillwater. But besides that, there aren't really a ton of major non-conference opportunities for this Oklahoma State team to get things turned around. And I'm rooting for Mike Boynton. But at the same time, that is just a tough, tough loss to take on opening night of the season. The ACC went 14-0 and last night. It wasn't easy. If you remember last year, this conference had some tough, tough losses on the opening night of the season that you could even look back and say, man. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That really could have cost them uh, and the amount of teams that they were going to end up getting into the NCAA tournament. North Carolina, they were able to survive and get the win over Radford. It wasn't an easy game. I had a close eye on this one, just saying to myself, man, North Carolina, they're really losing in the first half to Radford, saying to myself, wow, North Carolina at the half going up against Radford, they're only up by five points. And they played well in the second half. Armando Baycott, he led the way for the Tar Heels with 25 points, 13 rebounds, just a vintage Baycott performance. Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and RJ Davis all were in double digits as well. But I mentioned Purdue, right, and the fact that they just came out last night and from the start of that game just destroyed Sanford, their opponent. The game was never really close. And I would have liked to see North Carolina do the same thing in this spot, play with the chip on their shoulder to say, you know what, with how poorly last season ended, we're not messing around, we're coming to play. And unfortunately, that was not the case. But they got a 16-point win. It's hard to criticize them that much. We're really going to learn about North Carolina more starting on November 29th in the new ACC-SEC Challenge. They'll have a game at home against aforementioned Tennessee, who we just spoke about earlier. That's going to be a big-time game. They'll also take on UConn at Madison Square Garden in the Jimmy V Classic. They'll take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic, Oklahoma in the Jumpman Invitational. So we'll learn plenty about North Carolina. But they were able to get in the win column. And if they would have lost that game, I'm telling you, if they would have lost to Radford last night, that would have just been unacceptable from Hubert Davis, despite the fact that North Carolina made the final four and the national championship game, that magical run two years ago. I feel like there aren't a ton of coaches in the power six that will enter this season under more pressure than Hubert Davis. He really, really had to get things turned around after the way last season ended. And they got off to a good start against Radford last night. We also have to talk about Louisville, who somehow, some way, after losing for the second consecutive year an exhibition game to a D2 school, they got the job done last night against UMBC. Somehow, some way, they win 94-93. I actually watched the end of this game. What a wild, wild sequence in the end. Trey White, the USC transfer, he missed a, a layup to start, gets the rebound, just shovels it to his big man, J.J. Trainer for the game-winning dunk with a few seconds left, and Louisville survives. They win it 94-93 over UMBC. I guess you could make the argument that that's the biggest win of the Kenny Payne era, right? Because literally last year, Louisville in this same spot lost their first three games of the season, all to mid-major conference opponents, all that they just had no business losing to. But at this point, like, whenever Louisville beats anyone, you have to – Give, I don't even want to say give them credit, for, but feel excited about it because you know that they easily could have lost. And the thing about this Louisville team, Aaron Torres, our guy, and I spoke about it in the ACC preview on this show, is that this year, Louisville actually has talent. Last year, it was easy to point the finger at Kenny Payne because he was someone who came to this Louisville program with the perception of, okay, he could recruit and he could get us talent. He actually 
somehow did that this year, like the overall level of talent on this Louisville team is is significantly better than it was last year. But still, when you watch them, they're just not a very well-coached team. They make mental mistakes, but they play hard. And that's not something you could say about every team in college basketball. So Louisville gets the job done. They'll have a couple more bye games against Chattanooga and Copenhagen State at the Yum Center before they will take on Texas at Madison Square Garden and UConn and, and uh, Indiana are also going to be at that event as well. So we will see Louisville going up against better, higher competition going forward. I'll also mention Kentucky. They actually, I don't want to say they had a difficult game, but New Mexico State, we know that prior to last season, that was a very successful program that makes the NCAA tournament more times than not. They brought in a first-year head coach in Jason Wooten, who is really good. Uh, There's talent on that team. But Kentucky got the job done. And the thing that stands out to me watching that game for Kentucky, there were a couple things. First off, they had five players scoring double digits. Robert Dillingham, he led the way with 17. Reed Shepard, another freshman, had 12. DJ Wagner had 13. Justin Edwards had 12 as well. Antonio Reeves had 11. So a very balanced scoring effort for Kentucky. Trey Mitchell, he played 35 minutes, mainly at the five with all of the injuries that Kentucky is dealing with to their bigs. Aaron Bradshaw, uh, Big Z, Ivisich, and also uh, Onyensa, uh, Yugana Onyenso. They all uh, they all missed this game with uh, injuries and Big Z. He is not eligible yet. So Kentucky is still missing a little bit of size, but you got to give credit to the one freshman in that in this class that wasn't really that hyped or that spoken about the 6'9 forward Jordan Burks he played well in this game for Kentucky he had seven points in 12 minutes three of three from the field that's big to have a guy like that stepping up off the bench without Bradshaw without Onyenso without Big Z so that's a good sign for John Calipari's team it's interesting because Kentucky their team and the way it's built is just so different than the rest of the sport with uh having so many young players and having as much uh, you know, John Calipari doesn't really have a choice. Like when you have and build your team around these freshmen, you're going to have to play them. We know they're going to take their lumps throughout the non-conference portion of the season. But with John Calipari as your coach, you know that he's won using this formula before. And the overall talent level on this Kentucky team is something that really stood out to me watching this game. They have a lot of different options. I know all of the talk in the offseason was, oh, this is the worst freshman class college basketball has seen in recent memory it's going to be impossible for Calipari and Kentucky to win in a big time way with these freshmen I just wouldn't count them out just yet I had Kentucky ranked in my top 20 for a reason I think they're one of the three or four best teams in the SEC and especially when they get healthy I do think this team will be right in the mix uh, by the time we get to the month of March they will take on Kansas in the Champions Classic for another big-time non-conference game against Miami in the ACC-SEC Challenge. But just seeing Kentucky having those future NBA players that you know for sure are going to be pros, that's a good sign. Because as much as we love guys like an Oscar Shibwe and a Jacob Toppin and a Severe Wheeler, it just felt like over the course of the last few years, Kentucky, they were just lacking that normal level of talent that they've had in recent memory that would just put them over the top. And even though this team isn't necessarily ranked in the top 10 right now, they entered the season as the number 16 team ranked in the AP poll. I still think if you're a Kentucky fan, there are reasons to be excited. There are a lot of names on this team. They're very deep. And I'm curious to see what John Calipari does with this rotation throughout the season. A couple other things I wanted to hit on before we get out of here. We'll stay in the SEC. Both Arkansas and Alabama looked really good last night. Arkansas got the 93-59 victory over Alcorn State. The Crimson, uh, the Razorbacks, excuse me, are ranked number 14 in the AP poll to start the season. And then you have the Crimson Tide of Alabama. They looked really good, scoring 105 points, 55 of those in the first half against Moorhead State. They got the 105-73 win. Grant Nelson, the South Dakota State transfer, or the North Dakota State transfer, excuse me, He scored 24 points to lead the way, 7 of 12 from the field, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, 2 of 4 from 3. Aaron Estrada, Mark Sears, and the freshman Stevenson, Jaron Stevenson, 
he scored in double digits as well. Alabama and Arkansas, watching these two teams, it is just a guarantee entering the season that they're going to be athletic. They're going to be flying around. For Arkansas, it was good to see Trevon Brazil back on the court healthy. He had a couple dunks within the first few minutes of that game that made me jump out of my seat. Uh, Khalif Battle, the transfer from Temple, he looked really good for Arkansas as well, providing them with some offensive scoring punch off the bench. And Eric Musselman, you know with his teams, it might take him some time, but eventually he's going to get things figured out, especially with so many new players. He's very used to adapting and kind of finding solutions throughout the season. And one last take on Arkansas. I remain convinced, and I'm sorry, Hog fans that are listening to this, I'm not really trying to make you feel sick after your team played so well on a Monday to start off the season. But if Arkansas is fully healthy last year, I'm convinced this team makes the final four. Everything changed after the Brazil injury. And that was even with Nick Smith in and out of the lineup and all of the other injuries this team was facing. Brazil is an absolute monster. He's a difference maker. And the fact that he was just able to make his presence known right away in that game with a couple of dunks to say, you know what, Bud Walton, I'm back. This is my year. That is just a great, great sign. Arkansas, they're deep. They have a lot of talent. Devo Davis is back uh, for the team as well. And putting up 93 points, uh, shooting at a 52% rate from the field, that's very, very impressive. Tremont Mark, the Houston transfer, I think he fits this team in a great way. Scored 16 points uh, to lead the way behind battle last night. Six of eight from the field for him. And uh, Arkansas also... They really struggled shooting the ball last year. It's a good sign to see them shoot uh, 12 of 30 from the field. But, man, that team last year with Anthony Black, Nick Smith, Ricky Council, Jordan Walsh, I'm convinced if they have Trevin Brazil and they're healthy, they would have made a massive, massive statement last year. And I'm happy to see Coach Muss back on the side on winning games. And then we'll go to the team that actually knocked out Arkansas of the NCAA tournament last year to end this show. UConn, the defending national champions, they were back in action last night, raising their fifth banner. They looked pretty good. They got the 95-52 win over Northern Arizona. Alex Caraban, he led the way, uh, one of the returning scores for UConn from last year's team. He had 22.7 rebounds. And I'll give you guys a name to watch for this Husky team going forward. That's Samson Johnson. He's a former top 100 recruit. Uh, This is his third year of college basketball. Played sparingly as a freshman, made some impact plays here and there. I liked what I saw. I was intrigued. And it's funny, going into the season last year for UConn, he, you were hearing a lot of things like, man, Samson Johnson, he's going to be an impact player. He's going to have a big-time role for this Husky team. And then he suffered an injury, and we never really heard about him since. But despite a lot of people forgetting about him throughout last year in the national championship run, he – Looked like he made an impact last night, scoring 11 points, five rebounds, a very efficient five of six from the field. Crazy athletic player. It's good to see him back healthy on the floor. And as much as I love Dan Hurley and this UConn team, I'm not going to lie to you guys. And I kind of had the same concern for Alabama, who we were just talking about. Like both those teams lost a ton of guys, right? Sonogo, Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins. Those are three NBA players right there. Alabama. We know they lost Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney and Quinterly uh, and Jaden Bradley, all those guys, Betty Ako. And if you have like a guy, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but a guy that you didn't necessarily expect to make that big of an impact in the beginning to come back and give you guys uh, some, some oomph, some, some scoring punch, that is always a really good sign. I think Samson Johnson could be the sixth man for this UConn team that could really help fill the void of losing those guys. Because we know with UConn starting five, Caravan, Newton, Klingon, those guys coming back, and Castle and Spencer, two new guys in the program. It's a good mix. Hassan Diara, another returning player, he uh, played 22 minutes off the bench for UConn last night. He scored six points. But Samson Johnson, 11 points and five rebounds in 19 minutes. That really stood out. That is a great, great sign for the Huskies and the defending national champions going forward. Well, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of College Hoops Daily. I'm your host, Zach Curl. Appreciate you guys listening. Had a great time talking college hoops with you, and we will be back soon doing it again. Hope you guys enjoy opening night.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.